Hey, I'm Dawn Scott Damon, your freedom coach, and I'm fiercely passionate about helping you become an empowered woman. As a life coach, author, pastor, emotional and spiritual wellness advocate, I'm here to help you realize your true dreams, craft your master plan, and coach you to fulfill it with ferocious execution. As a survivor of childhood trauma, I know what it takes to overcome obstacles, fears, and insecurities, and I'm here to help you do the same. But I don't do it alone. I bring the sisterhood on to share their journey in this mad voyage called life so that you can glean from the boldest, bravest, and grittiest adventurous who are living out their dreams. Join us. Today's show is sure to change your life. So stay tuned because it's... Join the Freedom Girls Sisterhood with your Freedom Coach, John Scott Damon. Radio. It's time to join Freedom Girls Sisterhood with your Freedom Coach, Don Scott Damon. Hey there, Wanda. How are you today? I'm good, Don. How are you? Good I'm to be with you again. Thank on this you. Beautiful Michigan afternoon, you know. We got to shine. Yeah, we got to take in these days while we have them because you know it's summer in Michigan is slowly starting to fade, but we and still we hardly have one, but yeah. Yeah, we can't even talk about it yet. I'm not ready for that kind of grief yet. But, no, no. We can't stand it not yet. No, not yet. But hey, we we have so a great we- great great guest today and I'm really yeah. excited to have her with us. I'm and excited so, about her. Yeah, me too. Because this, what we're going to talk about today is a really important topic. You and I both have experienced this topic in our own personal lives. And we're talking about abuse. We're talking about violence. We're talking about some hard things that happen in life. And so let me talk about our guest a moment and then we'll bring her on. Because you can already see her if you're watching this. If you're listening, you don't know yet. But Tammy Kennington. And she is a speaker, she's an author, she helps women overcome issues related to past abuse and parenting children with mental illness and preserving in the hard places of life, which is exactly what we, we, we understand and many of us have felt. She has her certificate in the Foundations of Trauma and after many years of healing from an abusive childhood, Tammy shares her story Because someone needs to know that God is the God of love and he is in the restoring business. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. And so we welcome you, Tammy. Thank you so much. Tammy. Welcome to the sisterhood. Thank you. I'm I'm excited to be with you all today. We we didn't give you a proper sisterhood welcome because we do the (laughs) woo-woo. So (laughs) Wanda, you were a little quiet on that. So ready? Welcome, Tammy. All right, there it is. That was awesome. (laughs) Good to have you with us. I'm so glad to be here. Hey, thanks for taking time and being on the podcast today of the Freedom Girls Sisterhood. And you know what? Thank you for being part of the sisterhood, not just the survivors, but those who then take their story and let God redeem it and make sense out of it. Take a moment and share with us, Tammy, your story. Okay. Well, um, I grew up in a small, small community, a small farm community, and my life actually started um, in a corner. I was in a corner and my mother had, my mother and father um, were pregnant with me as teens. And that was a time when it was not really accepted to be pregnant outside of marriage. 
And as a result, my mom wore a girdle and nobody knew for several months that she was pregnant. So I had been pushed into a corner from the beginning. And after, after I was born, my parents had married. Uh, however, they had a troubled marriage and they struggled for a few years, had another child together and eventually ended up divorcing. But it was a really ugly divorce. And my mother gained full custody. My father was not given any custody. And within about six months following the divorce, my mom had a new, a new man in her life. And he was the one who eventually she married. And within a few short months, had, he had already groomed me. Mm. I was only four years old. Mm. And I really wanted a dad. And I didn't realize that the attention he was giving me was not the attention that a father gives a daughter. Mm -hmm. And really, we experienced abuse, domestic violence, physical, sexual, emotional abuse for uh, more than 10 years. I was, I had just turned 15 when I finally told my mom about the sexual abuse I'd been enduring. And after, afterwards, she actually thought she believed me and she called, called him and asked if it was true and he admitted his guilt. Wow. And so my story, I, I had, I had some power there from, from that point on. Um, it took a long time for my mother to end up divorcing him. At least it seemed like a long time to me. Uh, but we went through all kinds of things from that point on the, it went into the system. He actually did have to attend. It wasn't a full trial, but he had hearings <laughs> and was sentenced to probation. Um, and afterward, I was forced to attend counseling, which really wasn't helpful for me at the time. I wasn't, I wasn't in a position to be ready to heal. Mm -hmm. However, it, it was a start towards freedom. Let me, um, ask you about grooming. You mentioned that, and I, I'm assuming many people know, but maybe there are those listening that don't understand what grooming is. Talk to us a little bit about that process. What did that look like, or what is grooming? Sure. So grooming is a typical pattern, you might say, that abusers or perpetrators will begin to, to follow in order to establish relationship with their victims. And whether or not that victim is a four-year-old little girl or a 24-year-old woman, he knows how to insinuate his way into that person's life in such a way that they are eventually ready to accept abuse as something that's acceptable in their lives. And particularly with a four-year-old, that child doesn't know what, really what the difference is between right and wrong. Right. And when you're, when you've had um, when you've had someone move into your life and suddenly usurp control and be the daddy figure in your life, you expect them to love you. Mm -hmm. And that's often the case. Even when women who've been in domestic violence situations like my mom was, she thought he was the perfect man. He swept her off her feet. Mm -hmm. And within a couple of weeks, they were engaged. He had, he had fawned over her you know, purchased clothes for her, took her out whining and dining, that kind of thing. And those people who are perpetrators, 
tend to move into relationship very quickly. They move beyond normal boundaries very quickly. And they make their victims feel as if they're the most special person in the world until the abuse began. I'm also a survivor of, of the childhood abuse. You know, Wanda is too, we share our stories, but um, we don't tell, do we? We don't tell for a long, long time, if ever. And many questions that I get are like, why didn't you tell? And then another question I get, I don't know about you, Wanda, but it was like, why didn't anyone know? Didn't anyone see it? Your mom didn't know? How would you respond to those things? Those are really challenging questions. The mm -hmm. first answer I would give as far as why didn't you tell? Mm -hmm. Because that person became a figurehead and was supposed to be someone I loved and trusted. I called him daddy and he adopted me. Mm. You're supposed to accept and do whatever adults tell you in your life. So as a child, I think that first of all, that is very, very much drilled into people, especially young women, but boys too, mm -hmm. or little girls and boys. In addition to that, families who operate in this sort of dysfunctional atmosphere have their own secret codes. Mm -hmm. And some of those codes are you don't tell you don't share your dirty laundry. In addition to that, you have someone who's perpetrating physical abuse, physical violence in your home. As a child, that's pretty frightening when you see somebody doing the horrific things that he did, mm -hmm. you're afraid to tell. And sometimes perpetrators will threaten the lives of the child. Uh, they will hold those things over the child. If you tell mommy this, then I'll hurt her. Or in my case, this is what mommy and daddy do because we love each other. They entrap the child. And in domestic violence situations, it's the same is often true. Women are afraid to leave. My mother tried to leave several times, but he would, he would follow her and beat her up worse than before. So, and there, at that time, there weren't social supports. People didn't talk about it. And so there are a lot of reasons why you don't tell, but the same is true of women who experience domestic violence. Mm -hmm. And then in regard to the second question, why didn't someone see it? You know, people ask me a lot, like, didn't, didn't your sisters ask you, didn't they know, didn't your mom know really no one knew. And, and, um, it's like, well, I wasn't about to tell them. And if they, and, and I don't know, even if they would have asked me, I probably would have lied. Um, I don't know. So, so did anyone know? Did really, did he hide it that well? He did. He was really good at hiding it. He pretended to be a doting father in public, showed the other side of himself to me. As far as why didn't people know, I tried leaving clues as much as a little child can. Mm -hmm. I, I cried every time my mom left, uh, left me alone with him. I had extreme separation anxiety from her. I, I had a, a difficult time even staying over at a friend's house because I was so terrified of being away from her. When in second grade, I remember writing a note to my teacher on that wide ruled paper, you know? Yes. And I said, I, I hate Tammy Rempel. That was my stepdad's last name. Mm. And I put it in the inbox. It definitely got some attention from the school counselor. But when my mom, when he approached my mom about it, she was very angry that people were poking their noses in our business. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it made her feel defensive that maybe she was missing something. Mm -hmm. So that was the last time I really reached out until I was 15. Uh, I was, you know, lost in the system. And so there was a lot of people that had their hands. So that's one of the reasons why no one, no one who mattered knew. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. there was no one watching. We were separated from our family. So mm -hmm. we were just out there for whatever and whoever. So that's a big thing. Um, and then there's shame is huge. Shame is huge. And that shuts people down really quick for many different reasons. Um, and then there's the guilt and the fear of if I open my mouth and say something and I am believed and they split up and my family tears apart, it's my fault. Mm -hmm. So there's the fear and there's the guilt, the impending guilt almost. And that shuts people down really quickly. So um, that's a big, big burden for a child. I'm just curious, you know, Tammy, from your perspective, how prevalent is this whole area? It's an epidemic. Mm -hmm. And the sad thing is those are the reported cases. Right. You don't know right. really what that accurate number is because those right. are only reported. And I have to say with boys too, mm -hmm. there's a lot of, shame for boys and perhaps oh, yeah. even more so mm -hmm. in this culture and it's only becoming safe in in this time period for boys to come forward and feel more empowered to share mm -hmm. and the statistics for boys are very high as well one in six mm -hmm. those are reported case so it's it's an incredible epidemic uh i've been a teacher for 20 years and i have seen so many children having to deal with abuse. I served uh, as a preschool director for several years and then worked in the classroom with children. I always seem to have a child in, in my classroom every year that I knew was being abused. Mm. Some of them I was able to help and report because of things they might say or something I might notice. I've, but there were others that were reported on suspicion but were never followed up on or there wasn't enough evidence. So if you have any teachers or any, any parents out there or anybody who might have a friend who's noticing signs or symptoms, just listen to your gut on that. Mm -hmm. It's never wrong to report. You can save a life. If you don't report, you might not have the opportunity again. What is the relationship then to, you've got these children, the three of us are all experiencing this. It doesn't just go away. Okay, so now I'm 15. We finally get away from this man, my stepdad. I've told the school I hate who I am. I get some forced counseling. What? But does it doesn't just go away? What's mm -hmm. the connection between the trauma and the residue that happens in your case and and maybe for others as well? Well, unfortunately. A lot of people who deal with complex trauma develop PTSD, and that was my case. Well, and tell, what's PTSD? So PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder, and in, in cases that involve ongoing abuse or domestic violence, they call it complex post-traumatic stress disorder, and that just means it's more than one event, basically, that's, that's led to this, this development. So Post-traumatic stress disorder is actually fairly common among women who were abused as children and women who have survived domestic violence or are in the midst of domestic violence. In my case, 
I did want it to go away. I thought I could make it go away. So once I was past the forced counseling sessions that the state required, I, I decided I'm moving on. I'm, I'm done with that. This is my new life. I proceeded to go to school out of state where nobody knew me. I started everything fresh. But the problem was that the trauma, the trauma was inside of me. It was within you. Mm -hmm. And it followed me into marriage and it followed me into motherhood. So I began experiencing symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder in my early 30s. And I really didn't understand what was going on, but something that my counselor when I was 15 told me really stood out to me. And she had said, when you feel like you're in a safe place in your life, this is going to come back. Mm -hmm. And she was right. That's just so identical to, to what I experienced. I think Wanda, you could speak to it maybe too, but that was exactly right. I just thought, okay, it's over. It's done. I survived. Great. I don't ever have to bring it up again or speak about it again. And then in my early thirties, I think I was 32, had three children, loved my life. Things were great. Bam. That's because there was no processing of your trauma. You just kind of shoved it down, shoved it away, shoved it out, whatever. But there actually is to heal from actual trauma, PTSD, which is disconnecting on both sides of your brain. They disconnect. You have to reconnect them to recover from trauma. There's a physiological brain issue. God, thank you, Jesus, for creating us that way that we can actually heal our own brains. And we, we go over that. We just glide past that part. It's We put the Band-Aid on the cancer. We teach the alcoholic to stop drinking, the hoarder to stop collecting stuff. But we never put the scalpel to the cancer of the trauma that causes the hoarding and the addictions and the behaviors that bring us to, you know, having to um, deal with them, whether we want to or not. I've said this before, Don knows. Trauma will deal with you or you can deal with it, period. When I was, when I finally went to treatment, um, intensive trauma treatment, that's what they told me. They said, women between a certain age, If you have not processed your trauma or dealt with it, it will, whether you want it to or not, it will start to come out. And that's where we see behaviors where we're trying to shove it down. And in whatever way that is, food, shopping, sex, whatever. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's unprocessed and it's not going to work until the brain makes the connection again and starts to work properly. And let's talk about how that happens. But, you know, because I, I thought too the same thing, like it's just gone, it's just done, it's just over. And I did not realize that trauma was a biological event as much as it was an emotional event. Tammy, how do you see it? Some people say, you know, post-traumatic stress is a disorder. Some say it's brain injury. What's your words? Yes and yes. (laughs) Um, Good answer. Yes, there there is such a a biological change within the brain of Mm -hmm. a child in particular who goes through trauma. Things like the amygdala, which is the center where fear is processed, shrinks. Um, everything is on fire. Yes. Your, your system, your whole, your whole nervous system is either always on alert and hypervigilant or it's completely shut down or maybe you vacillate between those depending on and what's triggering a response in you. Your body is changed, biologically different. That's probably why 
when studies were done following the Holocaust, the women who had babies and children post-Holocaust, many of those children developed depression and anxiety. There's a neurobiological change at the smallest levels, um, genetically speaking. So it, it alters the person. They can see it on brain scans. They can see a person who's living with PTSD and what's there, going on in the brain. There's also something they say that childbirth alone triggers trauma. There's something about childbirth that triggers a woman's trauma if you don't, have not dealt with it in the past. That, and then that turns out to be what people have called in the past postpartum depression. We've, we call it PTSD straight up. I believe that it's been misdiagnosed. And it's called, they're calling it something that it is not. I mean, sure, it postpartum depression is part of trauma. So, you know, but it's misdiagnosed. There's a bigger issue there um, than just the depression afterwards. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. That is fascinating. I hadn't heard that either. And that makes sense. I mean, I'm sure there's, it's a both end world. I'm sure there are people who just have the rush of hormones and it, they're imbalanced, but mm -hmm. I I agree with you. Now, I do know for me that the um, post-traumatic PTSD was triggered by my daughter becoming the age that I must have subconsciously remembered, because I don't remember consciously um, what age it started, but when I was caring for wow. a daughter and those all those feelings of protecting her and wanting to take care of her, and it just triggered, it all just came rushing back and flooded me. And so that's when I first started to hear, deal with it. Tammy, do you have any insight on how do we help women heal from this? What's the, what's the answer? First of all, women have to be willing to step back into their pain. Mm -hmm. And that's, mm -hmm. a, that's such a challenging, such a difficult experience because when you step back into the pain, you're forced to, into a place where you have to look at your caregivers, uh, whether or not they met your needs, what happened to you, maybe your relationship with God and how are you perceiving him through this? I had to deal with a lot of latent anger that I had toward him and I hadn't realized it. So it can throw your whole perception of, of life into a tailspin for a while, but you have to be willing to do it in order to heal. And the thing is, you've already lived through the worst. You walked through the worst of it when you were a child. Mm -hmm. Or if, if you were abused later in life through domestic violence, you've lived through the hard part. It's not fun to walk back into that pain, but the thing is you're taking control of it. It's not going to control you. Mm -hmm. And that's where you gain power. And it's not just, yes, absolutely. And it's not just, once again, it's not just the emotional healing of it or the spiritual healing of it, but there's something happening physically and biologically as you retell your story. Yes. And as you tell story in the presence of a sympathetic, empathetic listener who is honoring your story, then the brain is actually reconnecting. And, and Wanda, you talked about the, the, the misfiring or the disconnection of the, the two sides of the brain and the hemisphere. And so that's why trauma is trapped. But through the telling of our story, we're once again beginning to repair that's and right. heal the brain, right? Yes. 
and there's a there's a way to retell without reliving it. Retraumatized. That's what I did. You know, I, I didn't have to. I thought I was so afraid of being re-triggered, and re going right back there again. And they, they, my therapist, the one that had helped me through the process, they were like, "Trust us, we won't let you relive it." And they showed me how to go there, and never have to be. I never triggered not one time during the whole thing. Well, you know, I mean, it was amazing, and it was fast, and it was. Um, and it, it's true. There's a way to go through it without re-triggering yourself and reliving the experience. You don't have to relive it. You go back and you glean from it. You don't have to relive it though. Yeah, that's such a good way to put that. Yeah, and so that you're not being re-traumatized by remembering. <laughs> yeah, and retelling your story. You're telling your story. And that's part of the reconnection of the brain. You have to, there's the ear part. You're listening to it. That connects the brain. You're seeing things and you're speaking it. Those are the things that make the brain work, you know? And then your hands, you know, we've talked about, the process of there are actually things you can do physically with your hands to help reconnect those sides of your brain. So that's deep and mm -hmm. other things, but yeah, there's the bottom line is there is hope. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, and what you're saying to Wanda, it reminds me of the scripture of Psalm 139 that says we are wonderfully and fearfully, or we are intricately made only the God of the universe could create us in such an amazing way. Tammy, how did Jesus, how did the spiritual part of you um, and your relationship with God aid or affect you in your healing process? I mean, I know the answer, but you have to tell us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it was imperative to my healing. I had to, I did have to deal with some of my questions. There are big questions that that go on when you've been abused, questions like, why did this happen to me? And why didn't you step in, right? Yes. So I had to deal with those and those are very real. So I don't think, I think we do a disservice to people when we say, well, it's, it's all gonna be all right because that's not necessarily true. And we have to be honest about our questions and not shove them under the carpet as believers. So my, what I did know was that Jesus had been a father to me when my father wasn't, when my, my birth father left, left the relationship. And then when my new dad stepped in and abused me, I knew Jesus was, was a real father. And I'd known that he drew me to him when I was a little girl. So I, I would tell myself the truth, even while I grappled with the hard questions, because we have to. We have to tell ourselves the truth when we know the truth is in scripture. Mm -hmm. And then I, de depending on the different season in my life, I had gone through various different types of, of healing using things like talk therapy, um, cognitive behavioral therapy. That was the first road I used to help heal some. And then when I felt better, I went, I, I stopped seeing her and thought, oh, I think I'm good now, <laughs> but I was wrong. So I, later I also used EMDR, which is wonderful. It's a very useful therapy for connecting those sides of the brain. And then later, my favorite therapy was with, um, with a counselor who did deliverance ministry and prayer. And that was where we focused. And that's where the most healing came for me. Mm -hmm. That was at that point, 
in my life, I knew God was going to do something and he did a miracle and he made me well. He took, he took all of that pain and he's reshaped it in a way that I now I'm helping other people yeah. and people need to know that there's hope. That's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so beautiful. So we're body, soul, and spirit, aren't we? We're a three-part being. And I'm hearing you say that there were some physical things and there were emotional things and there were spiritual things and that those components all came together to bring you true and lasting healing. And that's so wonderful. I, I want to ask another question if I could, and um, feel free to answer this as full as you want or as limited as you want. But so many survivors, when they get into the marriage, they think that when it's over, it's over just like we've been talking about. And then you find out, Ooh, you know what? No, it's not over. You're touching me, husband. I'm not liking this. I want you to go away. I know you're my husband. I should love you. And I do love you, but I don't want you to touch me. A lot of women struggle in the intimacy area. <clears throat> that for us a little bit. Did you ever experience any of that or know women that have experienced that? Yes, to both questions. I, I do um, know women who have struggled with that, and I was one. I started struggling, I would say it was at least my early 30s, if not late 20s. My husband and I were married when we were 23. I was gaga in love with him, and I still am. But the intimacy part of our marriage was such a struggle for years for years it caused us turmoil turmoil in our marriage and my husband would often feel rejected because i would get triggered i i really was triggered though i my body um my body responded in fear to what should have been a beautiful thing mm -hmm. and so did my brain so what happens a lot of times with people who have been who've been victims of, of abuse they go their when their brains have not healed, they will do something called dissociation or derealization, and that was something I would do. I would just kind of step outside of our relationship during some of those times uh, when I didn't refuse my husband, mm -hmm. and it wasn't because I didn't love him. It was because the fear was so so real to me and my response was so outside of what I would have expected. I never anticipated that to happen. So there is healing though. There's healing for that. And it can be slow to come along. And I, and I have to say, I'm, I'm so grateful to my husband because he stood by me through all of those difficult years, but it's really painful because mm -hmm. you want to be the wife that he needs. Yeah, it's so painful. It's painful on so many levels because it's it's painful in the fact that you are, you can be victimized or re-traumatized even though your husband is loving and gentle and good and beautiful. It's we have a difficulty in seeing it that way or feeling it that or experiencing it that way because our brain is in high alert or we just freeze like we did when we were being abused and we pretend that we're asleep and we were unresponsive and the husband feels very rejected 
and very off guard, you know, not knowing how to respond or not knowing how to. And so it's painful then because we feel so much shame and we feel sad that we're hurting him and rejecting him. We don't want to. And then there's guilt because I'm not being a good wife and I can't laugh at all these jokes with these other girls are all talking about, woohoo, you know, and I'm like acting like I get it, but you know, I, I, I don't, and I don't, it's not a, it's not an enjoyable part of my marriage at all. And so I was married for 28 years, my first marriage. And it was, it just remained to be a struggle until there was a many factors for it, but until I finally actually was able to, to, to end that relationship and step out of it because it continued to re traumatize me and it was very toxic and unhealthy and it was mm -hmm. painful. So then I had to heal again after healing mm -hmm. to, uh, to, to heal from the abuse of, of that relationship. But um, so there is hope. I hear you saying though, women can get through this. Men can get through this because though I, I anticipate most of our listeners are women. You're right. One out of six, one out of four boys have experienced some kind of trauma. And so what happens when a traumatized male and a traumatized female, which I believe was my original case, come together, you got more trauma. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of baggage we carry. A lot of baggage. So talk to us about what you're doing today. And you, you did mention your ministry and um, what's the good news? Hope comes, life changes. Now you're helping women. What are you doing today? So I am. I'm finishing up a, a certification as a life coach and have been doing a little bit of coaching, which I love. I love encouraging other women and letting them know, you know what? Don't give up. Keep moving forward. It's, it's going to get better. Um, because God is, he is a God of restoration and he redeems our stories. Uh, I also speak, I'm a speaker for Stonecraft Ministries and that's been just a delight to be able to meet women and share the hard parts of my story. And in addition to that, allow them into my heart where they can see that there's triumph. God work, God does work even in the most difficult situations. And we don't have to stay caught up in our trauma. So we can heal. It's hard, but we can heal. Mm -hmm. And he is the one who defines us. He's the one who gives us our names as his daughters. We are his warrior princesses. We are made to live life abundant. And he promises that in his scripture. So there's a lot of good to the story. Yes, I can see that. And, um, you can see that in your countenance and in your face as you're sharing. Um, and I'm just so thankful that you came on today to the Freedom Girl Sisterhood and you're willing to share your story with us. What would you say to someone who's listening? What's, what's step one? If, if, if this is them and they're listening to you today and they need help, what would you say for them to do? If you've never gotten help from someone you trust or shared with someone you trust, reach out to somebody because support by a trustworthy individual is something that we need. We need that empathetic person to hear our story and say, 
you are not at fault for this. And continue to continue to keep healthy boundaries in your life. If you're in an unhealthy relationship now, as so many of us fall into after after we've been abused, many of us will go into relationships that are very difficult. If you're in that place now, it's time to step out of that difficult, toxic situation and get help. You can do it. You can be brave enough. Amen. Well said. Thank you for that. Wanda, any, yes. any, any last thoughts or words? today? Um, well, I was just thinking that maybe we need to revisit it a little later and give like some signs, some things you can look for, um, you know, and maybe tips on what parents can't, we don't believe in shooting on people, but sometimes parents need to know, like, there's a thing I have about, I have, I'm the aunt of 36 or seven now, nieces and nephews. And, um, and early on my, you know, a big thing, especially Latin families is, you know, your kids, someone walks through the door, you, you go hug them and kiss them. My thing was like, don't you dare make my nieces and nephews hug anyone or kiss anyone. They don't let them know when they're young, they have control of the boys. They could say no. Because otherwise they think adults can say, you do what I say. Mm -hmm. They lose the power right away. So that's just a thing. But anyway, um, you know, um, there are things to learn, to watch for. That's, that's a really good point that you bring up. You know, we talk about healing the survivor, but we also need to talk about awareness, don't we? And yes, what to look out for. And, and Tammy, are there any things off the top of your head that you would say, watch for this or be careful to notice that? Definitely. Uh, look for, as, as far as teachers or parents go, if your child has a sudden change in behavior, is suddenly depressed, is acting out at school when they hadn't before, um, if teachers it, look for things like a child who has uh, neglect to their, just to their person, to, the, to their washing of hair and those sorts of things, if they have if little girls are having a lot of infections, um, UTIs, that's a clear and definite sign that something may be going on. I would, I would be careful and, and really keep notes of those sorts of things. When, when children are absent a lot from school, that's a red flag. If you are noticing things like that or a child is brave enough to mention domestic violence to you in your classroom, then you know something's happening because there's a clear connection between domestic violence and abuse um, of children in the home. Yes. Doesn't mean it happens every time, but it's very, very prevalent. And it, you can actually go online, you can Google it, signs of common signs of child abuse. And you'll see if the child flinches anytime you come near adult, then that may be an indication that child is being physically abused. Mm -hmm. So there are so many signs to look for and they can be easy to miss. But if you're aware, especially in the classroom, you're going to begin to notice things. Mm -hmm. You talked earlier about you crying when your mom would leave. And I remember trying to bring the attention to a, a woman who would drop off her daughter at a daycare and the little girl was experiencing some of that and um, later found out that this little girl it was a home daycare but at the home daycare 
the little girl during nap time was put in the bedroom with the husband who was working third shift and would sleep during the day. Pay attention to those signs. They're not misbehaving necessarily. They're not mm. throwing temper tantrums. They're trying to tell you something. And let me just say that children who early on do know they have the right to say no, it's very unlikely they're going to be victims. It's very unlikely they're going to speak up. I know some of these little girls are really like, I mean, they just don't even, they're like, oh, no, you don't. I mean, you know, they have this very clear boundary of no, 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 you don't touch me. So there are children you can, you know, that, that when they know early on, I have control over my body and I can say no, if they're far less likely to fall, to be able to be groomed in that way. I mean, you can get them candy. They'll probably eat the candy. They'll probably put the puppy, but there's less likely they're going to be able to, you know, abuse them. So we can empower our children and that's so important. And that's a great thing to remember. Oh, well, we could keep going on and on and on. I know that our time is up. Thank you for just letting us keep you for a few extra minutes there, Tammy. Thank you so much for the hope that you bring in the ministry that you have and your willingness to speak into this. It's not a popular, but it's so very, very needed. And so we thank you for that. If you do suspect that someone that you love or if you yourself are being abused and you're being harmed or hurt in anyone, any way, you need to tell someone. And there is a 1-800 number that we will post in the notes of this podcast. Make sure you get that support and you can call and you can report and you can get help and you need to do that. Thank no you. No shame. No shame. No shame. Mm-hmm. No shame. Amen. Thank you, Tammy, for being with us today. We really appreciate it. God bless you. And, and what it, yeah, where can we find you at, Tammy? Uh, listeners, people who are watching may want to find more information about you. Where can we find you at? Sure. You can find me at www.tammykennington.com. And Kennington, K-E-N-N-I-N-G-T-O-N. That's right. Yes. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. I'm everywhere. Okay. <laughs> you can't escape from me. It's scary. That's awesome. Dawn, um, um, we know we can find you at dawnscottdamon.com yes. and at tribeschurch.tv and yes. at freedomgirlsisterhood.com for the show right here for her blogs and anything else you might need. Her products are there too, but they're also on her website. And, um, and you can find me at ptsdperspectives.org. So there you go. Wonderful. Tammy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Thank you, Tammy. God bless you. And everyone listening, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast today. This is Don Scott Damon, your host, saying it's freedom time. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Freedom Girls Sisterhood. Like us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and review us. And if you'd like to leave us a note, find us on the Freedom Girls Sisterhood Facebook page or any social media at Dawn Scott Damon. As always, live a fierce, full, and free life because it's freedom time.